Hi, and welcome to Pineapple Reels. I'm your host, Nia, and on this week's episode, I'll be covering The Craft Legacy, which is a sequel to The Craft that originally came out in 1996. Stay tuned. The synopsis for The Craft Legacy is a group of high school students form a coven of witches, a sequel to the 1996 film The Craft. Yes, that is literally the synopsis that is on IMDb. And I think it's that way because when they originally made it, they didn't want to give too much away of the movie. And I don't think it was ever updated, but I suppose it's a generalization to just give you some slight insight about what the movie's about. (laughs) So take it for what it is, literally. I do want to start this episode by going into the cast first instead of going to do it at the towards the end of the episode. So start with the main character called Lily. She's played by Callie Spaining. She was in Bad Times at Earl Royale that came out in 2018, as well as Pacific Rim that came out in 2018 as well. Lourdes was played by Zoe Luna. She played in Pose as Lacey in 2019. Frankie, who is played by Gideon Adlon, who was in Blockers that came out in 2018. Tabby, who's played by Levy Simone, and she's been in Greenleaf and Scylla and the Spades. Adam, who is the mother's partner, is played by David Duchovny, which is, in my opinion, most notably known for X-Files. Her mom, Helen, who's played by Michelle Monaghan. I know her mainly from uh, Eagle Eye. She's been in a lot of films, but Eagle Eye is the first one that pops into my mind. Then we have Timmy, who's played by Nicholas Galadzine. And then we also have her brothers, who are played by... uh, Abe is played by Julian Gray. Sorry, Julian Gray. Jacob, the middle child, is played by Charles Vandervaught. And Isaiah, who's the oldest child, played by Donald McLean Jr. Now, if you are new to my podcast, then you would probably not know that I already done a craft episode which was the original one that came out in 1996. I did that a few weeks ago. And for me, The Craft was... I was a very young child when it came out, but I remember when it came out, and I remember watching it over and over and over again as a young child, as a teen, as a young adult, and right and now as I'm getting older, I still watch it every year for Halloween. So having that, I suppose, nostalgic feel of... The original craft and loving those characters how they were developed the actors that played them the directing the writing it was all amazing so much so where obviously i like it since i'm going back and watching it as well as others maybe you yourself have watched the craft countless times and maybe even brought your new friends into it so that being said it's the craft that came in 96 that is a cult classic hands down there is no arguing about that most people love that movie so when they announced that they were officially making a new craft yes there was a lot of people who were lovers of the original that their heart kind of broke a bit including mine of why are we going to touch a classic leave it alone there have been a lot of movies that were great in the 70s 80s or 90s that were fine being left alone and they got remade and 
surprisingly, you know, as an honest, you're like, oh, wow, that was a really good remake. I'm actually surprised. And then we also have those remakes that we go in the movie, eyes open, hearts full, and we come out the movie theater disappointed, upset, maybe a little bit irritated. They may have changed key characteristics of a character or something that was super important in the original for whatever reason they changed it in the in the revamp and for me with the crap legacy I gave it a chance you know it's 2020 let's try to see what the new vision of this movie is so I did start by looking at who directed and wrote it and I wish it was the same person who did the craft originally in 96 it's not it's uh, by Zoe Lister-Jones, which is fine. This is her second movie that she's ever directed. She's She directed a TV show, like a couple episodes, I believe, is of, of uh, The New Girl, starring Zoe Deschanel. And I think her being uh, still a newcomer, she's acted as well, but her being a newcomer to being a director, I think it does show in this film, unfortunately, at least for me. And a few people that I've personally spoken to about this movie that seen the original, as well as some of the people, I, that, some of the reviews I've read from other people. Um, sadly, a lot of people are agreeing on how they, they feel about the film. And I don't want that to discourage anybody from watching it. I think everybody should, if you're interested in the movie, watch it, give it a fair chance. And then when it's over, then you can say whatever you want to say about it. I gave this movie a fighting chance. I swear I gave it a fighting chance. I watched it twice. I didn't watch it twice back to back. I watched it when it came out. It came out on, what was it, Wednesday? I think it was the 25th, 20, 20 something. And, um, or 28th. I tried and I... I wasn't happy with the first the first go about. I thought, hmm, maybe I missed something. Let me go ahead and rewatch it and focus this a little bit harder than what I did the first time. And when I watched it the second time, I realized, nope, you got everything the first time around. It's not a complicated movie. It's just that it's not what you would have I would have wanted in a sequel. And maybe they shouldn't have called it a sequel. Maybe they should have called it The Craft Reimagined or something because it, it it's like, it's a sequel by a thread. And I mean a thread. And I will say we're about to hit spoiler territory. So if you have not seen The Craft Legacy and you still want to give it a, tr- a try and you don't mean to ruin the movie, please stop this podcast right now. I do not want to ruin it for you. But if you're like, whatever, I'd rather hear about it than, you know, go and pay the $20 to watch it. I will happily go ahead and spoil it for you. So, and I hope by now, if you're listening, then you are okay with it being spoiled and messed up. When I saw the trailer for The Craft Legacy, I I watched the trailer maybe five or six times before I watched the movie. And when I saw the trailer, I was excited because I love witchy movies and magical kind of things. And the trailer didn't make me super excited, but it did pique my interest. It intrigued me because I want to see 
where they go with these characters, where they go with these people. And I, from the trailer I saw, which they had, they had two or three different trailers that were going around. The trailer that I saw, there was one part in particular that stuck out and it was the character Lily, she's holding a Polaroid. And the Polaroid had, it was a picture of the character Nancy played by Feruza Bulk. And this picture looks like it is from 96. She's even wearing the same outfit, it appears, that um, she wears when she goes to the party um, in, the, in the 96 film. And the picture comes to life in the trailer, you know, and it speaks to girls, she drops the picture. So I'm expecting that scene in the film, and that film, that scene does not happen. There's about two scenes in the trailers that they don't actually put in the movie for whatever reason. So I, from seeing that and knowing it's a continuation, anytime there's a, anytime there's a continuation of a movie, a sequel, you expect at least one character from their previous movie to be in it or to be talked about. And they didn't talk about any characters in the movie so going back to the trailer seeing that picture of nancy i was like okay plot twist it's probably gonna happen is uh the leading girl lily nancy's probably her mom or something and i kid you not i literally said to one of my friends i said this is this is what's going to happen she uh nancy had a child when she was locked up in the mental asylum either she was having um relations with a, a male that was you know orderly for her while she was there or a nurse or something or it could have been someone you know raped her and you know gave her a baby but had to hide the evidence and they took the baby but that was my mindset is that this leading girl is nancy's daughter because or it's uh what was her character's name uh the new girl from the first one i believe it's robin why can't i think of the name anyway um, or it's, it's her child, one of the two. Now, when we see the mom, Michelle, Michelle, uh, played by Michelle, uh, Monaghan, and her name is Helen in the film, clearly it's kind of shot down. But again, going back, going with what the trailer was showing us in the trailer, they didn't seem like mother and daughter. They more seemed like auntie and niece. How the mom and the daughter were in the, in the, in the trailer or in the film in general to me is how I am with my nieces. And so for me, it was a disconnect because maybe for me personally, because my mom and I aren't like that. They're like very, very just, I don't know. This didn't seem realistic in my opinion, but for all I know, other people have relationships with their mother that are just like that. But again, like I said, that that's on them. So is this a little bit off for me? So I'm already heightened to okay. I'm I'm waiting for Nancy to pop out, or I'm waiting for the other uh, the the girl from the first movie, somebody from the previous movie to to be in it. And originally, when this movie came out, and you look at the cast list, they showed nobody from the previous film. That does not necessarily mean that no one from the previous film was in the movie. It's just that they're hiding them from the credits on purpose to not spoil the movie. Studios do it a lot of times where they hide certain characters um, from the, the character in the actor's name. They hide it from the cast list when they originally comes out. And even the credits when, when, the, when the movie first starts on purpose so that they can't, it's not ruined. They want to keep this cloak up to, you know, obviously keep the viewers anticipating what's going to happen and not being able to call it out so easily. 
But in my opinion, if that's what they wanted to do, then they should not have made a trailer that had Nancy in it. If they would have took Nancy out, then maybe that thought wouldn't have been in my mind. But then again, maybe it would have because obviously you have to tie these two films in together somehow. So I'm going to go ahead and go get into a little bit of this movie, starting with this the just the whole beginning of it all. And I'm going to highlight the positive things about this movie and also the negative things about this movie and just some lingering questions that weren't answered, in my opinion. Alrighty, starting with the positive things that I liked in this movie. I did like that they tried a bit with some diversity. That was a cool aspect. And part of me thinks, did they do it on purpose to appeal to a larger audience? Or did they do it to kind of be safe? And honestly, either way wouldn't really make a difference because... I mean, I think we're all kind of used to now where they'll they'll change characters to either fit the narrative of the movie or fit the narratives of society. And I feel like with this film, it was kind of like a mix of both. Yes, they did bring it back another another black girl, but they made her darker toned. And I love that she was darker toned because, yes, I related to Rochelle playing Rachel in the first film, but I related a lot more to Tabby's character because... I am a brown-skinned girl, so seeing her on screen, it's very easy to put myself in her position or to see myself within this young young woman. Lorda's character, I assume, is actually, it's kind of aloof in my opinion, too, because I don't know if she's supposed to be Latina or white or maybe she's Middle Eastern. I don't know. They don't lean into it and with a name like Lourdes it's, it's, it can kind of vary whereas in uh, Frankie's character to me is more Latina and just by how she looks and I'm gonna kind of go over her name as well but for all I know she is a, a white woman and Lily's character I like that you know she she is kind of girly, but she has a short haircut and she kind of varies with how she dresses. That's nice too. Well, if Lorda's character, they hint at it twice that her character is trans. And in real life, the actress Zoe Luna is trans as well. So that is bringing a bit of our real life society into this movie, especially in a high school setting. I don't feel like there is a lot of films that talk about trans characters in in high, in, in particular at a, as a teenager. It's more so adults and how adults are going through it or it's a TV episode and it's like maybe 30 minutes or an hour and it's condensed and you don't really get character depth. Speaking of that, I do wish if, if that they would have given her character a little bit more depth when they said that. But it could have also been, we don't want to make her a trope. We're just going to go ahead and and talk about it without really talking about it. Which is fine too, because I don't mind that in films. I do like when we have a character that we truly humanize without having to break them down and then tell us their story. Because not everybody wants to tell you their story. They're exhausted. And yes, she's a teenager, but maybe she doesn't want to explain herself. Maybe that's part of her allure is... I don't want to go into my story every single time I mention something about it. 
And the fact that she says it so like effortlessly, not not that it's not an issue with her, but clearly she she's okay with who she is as as a person, which is very important, especially if you're gonna be playing a teenage girl. And now we're gonna go ahead and get into I don't wanna say negatives, we're gonna say issues that I had with the craft legacy. Again, I am a lover of the original craft. So I, and I will be honest, I did not hold a microscope to the second installment because it's been so long in between the two films. What is that? Uh, 24 years. So that's a big difference. On top of it is not made by the original director and writer whom ironically enough the original writer and director was a man and this one is a woman I do think that the male director in 96 I think he I was surprised that a male directed and wrote that on their own I was very shocked I always assumed that the craft was at least written by a woman so to find out that it wasn't was shocking to me and then after I watched this, The Craft Legacy, I'm thinking, oh, because uh, I didn't, all I knew about The Craft Legacy was that it was coming out and it was going to be a sequel to the first one. And I didn't, I didn't look deeper than that past like the characters that, that were going to be in it. And after I watched it and I looked up the details of like the cast and crew and saw that a female directed it, I was a little bit upset. Because I feel like it could have been done just a bit better. And at times it came off a little bit cheesy. Kind of like an 80s movie. Like a, like a, a cheesy scene in an 80s movie. And some of the CGI in the film, particularly in the final fight sequence. it Like it's 2020. Like it could have been a lot better than what it was. But maybe it's a budget thing or maybe... When they were doing the editing, it looked fine, so they kept it in. But for me, I was like, um, I like the effects more in the 90s than I do in this, you know, modern version, which is wild because we have much better technology and much more believable technology than what we did what we had back then. So let's go ahead and start with these issues. So I feel like so we open up with the mom and the daughter, Helen and Lily. They are moving from wherever they lived at to this new home. And we also realize that the mom is moving in with her partner. We don't know if they're boyfriend and girlfriend, if they're engaged, that's her fiance, or if they're married. I didn't notice a ring on the mom's hand of any kind. I kept looking whenever I watched it, especially the second time through, and I didn't see it. That's like the start to me of why aren't we leaning into this? Are we going to figure it out later? Since it was so early in the film, I decided to let it go because I'm like, well, they will explain later what's going on. So, you know, it's a new beginning. Apparently they moved from their home, their their, uh, home city and they're hoping to have a better life here than what they did previously. Maybe Lily went through some stuff at her old school what was that? We don't know. We never find out what Lily went through at her school. Her mom did say, oh, you know, you'll meet new friends. And she was like, what are friends? Because apparently she didn't have her at her old school. I would have liked to know is it because they outcasted her 
Did she get drunk at a party one night and embarrass herself? Is it because her mom's dating all around the city or something? Something to outcast her or push her out to not have friends. Because looking at Lily, and I know just an appearance, but looking at Lily's character, I'm wondering why, what makes her a quote-unquote outcast. Whereas in the original craft, we can see why all four of these girls are outcasted. And I feel like Rachel's character in the first one, she's really only outcasted because she's, I believe, the only, if not maybe one of two or three, black girls at her school. So she's an outcast just because there's nobody else that looks like her. I'm sure if there was somebody else at that school that had any sort of melanin, she would directly go towards that person and kind of lean on them like, hey, you look different than most people here. I look different than most people here. We should team up and be friends. And in the first one, I feel like the girls bonded over that. They bonded over their diversity. They bonded over their difference that they had. You know, Nancy was poor and that affected and, and she had an unhappy she had an unhappy living situation her mom's boyfriend was a douchebag that was kind of too handsy um the lead character her her issue was that she tried to kill herself and with the uh other girl her problem was uh her, her she had skin issues and it made her very insecure about her looks and her body which is a you're already a teenager you already have these insecurities about your body and the way you look but if you add on a skin condition, it makes it even worse where you're like, I don't even want to be here, you know? But compared to this film, we don't get that. So that rolls into another issue of mine, which was there was absolutely no character development for these characters. There was for Lily, but that that's about it. You know, there there was no other character development. So I'm gonna go ahead and roll it back a little bit. So when we when uh when they approach the house, the her mother's boyfriend comes in and, and greets them. It's Adam, played by David Duchovny. And they go in, he's oh yeah, let's meet meet the boys, which he has three sons, three teen sons. The youngest is Abe, you know, Jacob the middle child, and Isaiah the oldest. Jacob and Isaiah, actually all, all these people, all these teens go to school together. And I feel like they didn't give us time to know any of the boys. They kind of started to, but like again, they kind of dropped the ball on it. And they, they, they should have leaned into it more. So for me, none of anybody else who watched the film, I think it's kind of weird that the mom was like, yeah, we're going to move in with this guy I'm dating or whatever they are. And he has three teen sons. That's that's a bit much to, to, to put yourself into. You're putting your daughter in a home with this older man that you think is, that's your partner, that you think it's safe, as well as your three teenage sons. Not saying that these teenage sons are, you know, crazy and can't get their hormones in check but it would still be a concern of mine as a mother if so personally I was just like this is already off why are they moving in so quickly why why are we not talking about the possible issues you know even if mom even even if it was something as small as so mom was like oh I put a lock on your door and only you had the key just so you have some special privacy but no nothing nothing at all this girl doesn't even, does not even have a lock on her door I believe it's I guess at least she has a door. (laughs) 
I think all the actors in this film did did a good job acting overall. I there wasn't anyone I I can pinpoint like oh man how'd you get this job? Who who do you know that got you in this? I didn't feel that way about any of the characters. The I I feel like they did a good job, but I feel like they did a good job with what they had. I don't think that the dialogue was as compared to the first craft. It wasn't the same. I I I get where they were trying to go with like being trendy and how you know some of these teens talk but with them harping on a little bit too much too much they made Frankie's character a bit annoying at times which I don't feel like she was supposed to be annoying she's just supposed to be this teenager that is hip to everything obviously and the new lingo and all that jazz but they just didn't do it enough where it seemed natural it it definitely sounded like an adult <laughs> who is not a young who's not a teen in this time period writing for a teenager or a young lady that that's what it seemed like to me it kind of threw me off at times and I had to readjust and remember what I'm watching and you know where they're at so I do think that in the 96 version I feel like the teens were a bit more mature and how they spoke and how they behaved but I I suppose at the base, they're all teens. So they, they both, both sets of women do, you know, very kid-like things, childish or what, or what have you. Now, also another thing is that they brought up a few good real life issues. And the few good life issues that they brought up is that they did, you know, spot, turn a light on teen sexuality. So yes, you have Florida's character with her being trans and you also have Timmy's character and him being admitting out loud for the first time that he is bisexual and how he feels he's looked at by society and his friends and how he's supposed to act and walk this earth and how he wants to act and walk this earth and they give they give this character Timmy some time to actually speak and reflect on it uninterrupted, which is, I think is very important because we usually do not hear that side from a male. You know, I do like that they he did say, you know, I like both. What's the big deal? That's fine. Not, oh, I'm confused. I don't know what I like. He was very clear of this is what I want is I want both, which is, you know, I think good because usually what they what movies and TV shows do is there'll be a guy who's going kind of back back and forth between men and women and he's like oh I'm so confused I don't know what I want whereas Timmy's like no I'm not confused I I like both I'm keeping both and keeping it pushing which I think is a topic that's in the LGBT community um, at least in circles that I know of but is about bisexuality and is it, it do they some people in that in those communities do not think that some people can be bisexual and then obviously you have the opposing side that thinks that people can be can be bisexual so i do like that the that the director decided to dive into that and the last thing i think that was really good that was a positive thing about this film is that uh the love spell they put on timmy well not they i'm sorry the love spell that lily put on timmy was believable it wasn't this dramatic change where it was kind of weird or his body was convulsing or being forced 
it seems as if these are his own ideas and his own actions, which I like compared to the first one. I, I like both. I like both love spells that, that were put on these men, but I I think you can appreciate them both in their own way. The first film, the love spell put on that young man, it was good because you could see that he's like, I don't know what's come over me, but all of a sudden I must do this thing for you or say these things to you. And in that first film, it got... It got so crazy of him being in love with her that he couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. All he could think about was her. And so much it got aggressive where he tried to force himself on her and it terrified her. Now this boy that she was attracted to just wanted to play with for a little bit and make him want her turned into this this ugly thing where she's like, this is not fun. Now I'm terrified of this person because he's so in love with me. He wants to consume me, every single part of me. Compared to Timmy, which we only see a smidge of the love spell. And I want to harp on, I don't think the love spell was necessary. It seemed like they were doing the typical teen boy picks on teen girl because he secretly wants to be with her or that's his way of flirting. So I think if she didn't do, if, if Lily's character didn't do the love spell, I think it still would have happened with Timmy organically and slowly but it definitely would have heart more on like the frat boy like you know mentality and maybe behind closed doors you know Timmy is this soft-spoken person who is really enlightened and Lily can really be herself around but like I said they went ahead and they did the lustful on Timmy and the lustful with Timmy is yes it is different he completely changes who he is as a person he's not as he's not crass he's very empathetic towards in particular woman's feelings and how he thinks they want to be talked to or addressed like he even says oh I'll see you guys later or girls ladies women women with the ex uh y'all work on it you know that's showing him changing and trying to be better but we don't see him fighting against it or being confused as we did in the original craft so I did I did think that that was pretty cool that they that they did that different So I did say that the characters didn't have any kind of character development except for Lily, as well as Timmy. Those are the only two characters that had development. But another thing was we don't know these characters' motivations. We do not know the reason why these teen girls got into magic. Are they natural witches? Did they figure out that they had abilities? Did they read about witchcraft and want to learn it themselves and heard that everybody has natural powers. We don't know. As compared to the first film, we learned that there is a shop that is for witches that these girls go to frequently. And there's a woman there who knows a lot about witchcraft and about being a natural witch and how powers work. So they kind of go to her as a guru and they use her literature as basically their Bible to know what they should and shouldn't be doing, or not even what they shouldn't be doing, how they can do whatever it is that that they're wanting to do or wanting to achieve. Now, I maybe these girls are just having fun. Like when the character said, "Oh, I wanted to," um, Lauren's character, she's like, "Oh, I want to, you know, be able to communicate telepathically," which is fine and cool. And Frankie's character, she wants to be able to freeze time. That that's fine. That's all fine and dandy. But I just wish that they would have given us at some point what the motivation of these, any of these characters were, except for just the two out of everybody that was on this cast list. It would have been nice. 
so it seemed like they the this film followed followed the pattern of we get we get a little bit of information about somebody and it's not really spoken on that deeply like Timmy yes we learn about him and his sexuality how he feels but after that, what the next day, Timmy's gone. We we do not get anything else out of Timmy. Timmy, Timmy ends up killing himself, which is a shocker because it's like, what just happened? We just fell in love with Timmy. We, now now we we all call him woke Timmy. Timmy Timmy understands everything. He's intertwined with the group, and then all of a sudden he's he's pulled from us. And we there's no foreshadowing to understand why this happened. We don't understand until much later in the film, towards the like last ten or fifteen minutes, we find out what happened with Timmy truly, and that is that the father uh, Adam killed Timmy. Now we don't know if he killed Timmy because he's getting too close to Lily, and maybe the father was worried about him trying to defend her honor, or if maybe because it's, it's like a couple looks here and there, I'm a couple a look or two. That the father gives Otis and Isaiah, but we don't know if that's him looking at him as a nurturing father, like, hey, are you okay? Or if that's him looking at him like, hey, I know what happened with you and Timmy, and I don't like it. So I'm going to put an end to it for you because it needs to stop. And I wish that they would have either showed that scene of the father confronting Timmy or if there is something else that happened to make Timmy do it by his own hand, but that he didn't want to do it himself. I just wish that they would have elaborated a little bit more on that. Now with the teen girls, with uh, Lourdes, Lily, Frankie, and Tabby, we don't learn what makes them outcast. With Tabby's character... We we see one scene that someone put uh, Tabby as a slut on her locker. We don't, but we don't know if she has a reputation at school, or is that just someone just messing with her just to mess with her to get under her skin? And she just burns it over her locker and walks away and calls it a day. They should have leaned into that a little bit more. With Frankie's character, it maybe her issue is that she doesn't think that she is beautiful though she never shows it with the friends we don't get a scene of her by herself looking in the mirror saying anything we only the only reason I'm even thinking that is because there's a scene at the party where a girl is telling Frankie oh like it's it's kind of sad you actually try to be pretty and I did like what Frankie said to her you know it's just like wow if he's like you enjoy putting women down that's that's sad which is true. You shouldn't be putting down a, your fellow woman. If anything, there should be solidarity between sisters. So I wish you would have learned why that that random mean girl that had like one or two lines in the whole film, why she said that to her. Is she jealous of her? Is she jealous? Why? Is it because that Frankie is her own person? Doesn't really care so much what what people think. I I, I we don't we don't really know. And then with Lorda's character. I, the only thing I can think of that's supposed to make her out is that she's is that she's trans, and there's a scene where she she there's a guy bullying another guy for or maybe maybe that person was non-binary, I'm not sure, and they were 
you know, calm derogatory terms, push up against the locker, and Lord's character decides to change his jacket from whatever color it is to a rainbow color as a joke. And I didn't really find it funny. I was just like, are we laughing at him now representing the LGBTQ with this rainbow sweater? Or are, or are we laughing at the rainbow flag itself? I didn't really care for the film, that, that, that scene. I think it could they could have done something much better. That, to me, seemed dated. Like, that if that came out in the 90s, you know, like, that's what it looked like. But for this for for this year that coming out, I was kind of like, what was the point? Like, I just, I don't find it amusing. I just kind of thought it was was just, it just wasn't a, a, a well thought out plan. Another thing is that they rush to the girls getting their powers. There's no hurdles with their powers. Whereas with the other girls in the first film, we see their power build and grow. We see them trying a spell and it not working out correctly because either they said the spell wrong or they're missing something or they need to be in a certain place or they need to all be together to use their power as one because they need more strength in something. And that was a little bit of a sisterhood from the 90s. And, and in this one, yes, they, they did punch up the girl power. They punch up the sisterhood. But it was all so rushed. And yes, when you're a teenager or just a young kid in general, you do have these very quick friendships where you guys bond super quickly. And this is your best friend seemingly overnight. But that being said, it still came off as just a bit too rushed, which seemed like a theme throughout this film is just that they're they're pushing things through too quickly. I feel like the original craft, that movie is almost two hours as well, but they took the time to build the characters and develop them to put them in situations that you got to follow. We got to follow we got to follow Rachel's character when you know, clearly she's in some class and there's a young white girl bullying her simply just for her being black. And we get to see the different levels and stages of that girl bullying her. We get to see that she tries to resolve the issue on her own nicely by asking her bully directly, what is your damage? What's your problem? And the girl, the bully just retaliates with more harsh and crude words, which, yes, she ends up using magic to retaliate against her. But at least she tried to do it in her own merit. And we're not actually mad at her for what she does to the bully. Because the bully deserved it to a certain extent. And even when she saw, oh man, the spell I put on this girl is getting a little bit out of hand. I think she's learned her lesson. It's now out of her control. Which is to prove a point of, as teens, we make these rash decisions based usually based purely off of emotion and we do not think about the adverse effects that come with it whereas if you're older you have time to sit and think about all the possible spider web effects that your one decision can have and again i understand that they don't lean into that too deeply because they're teens but if we can show a mature teen in the 90s and the way these girls talk and how they how they uphold themselves we can definitely show a mature teen in 2020. It's not too far-fetched with how these characters are and how they are about women power and how they call out misogynistic people, uh, misogynistic, misogynistic men and what they're doing or saying. 
like when Lily and Adam, they Lily, Adam, and Helen, they're all talking about the incident where Lily pushed Timmy and Adam's like, hey, like, you know, it's not cool. That shouldn't have happened. But he's definitely taking a father approach when, for all we know, they know each other for two weeks. And he's not he's nothing to her, honestly. He's just her the the man her mom is involved with. And her mom, who we're supposed to think is a feminist, or at least more of like a raw, raw, you know, sick, sick the power to them, just kind of, she kind of takes a seat back and allows her partner to talk to her daughter this way. It it took her daughter, you know, kind of being like, whoa, you're not giving me a chance to speak here. Like, mom, help me out. And it's like the mom snapped out of her trance and was like, oh, yeah, man, like, this is not cool. This is, this is not how we operate. Lily's not like that. And it just kind of irritated me because it seemed like that shouldn't have been how the character is. But maybe we're supposed to see how the mom is changing or or yielding to her partner to kind of assimilate and be more palatable by him and his sons. Shortly after Timmy's death, there's a scene where Lily wakes up and she thinks she sees something in the corner of her room and she gets up to investigate and right before she can get you know her hands on whatever she thinks she's seeing one of the brothers Jacob comes in the room and turns the light on and it's Isaiah in the corner standing there and apparently he's sleepwalking so all he all Jacob does is takes him and out says something to him takes him out the room and they never explain that later. We don't understand. We don't get told why Isaiah sleepwalks. But due to Jacob being so casual about it, obviously it happens a lot. So I would assume that Jacob, whenever he wakes up, he goes looking for Isaiah. He'll check in his room if he's there. And if he's not, then I guess he'll look around the house. I do not know what compelled him to go to Lily's room to check since the door was closed to Lily's room. But, you know, whatever. And... I did think, just because I knew that him, Isaiah and Timmy's characters, they had something going on, I did think, well, maybe Isaiah feels bad because him and Timmy never talked about what happened or had had a conversation. Honestly, he ignored him after they were involved. And maybe he feels guilty about that. Like, oh, I wish I would have said something. Or maybe it's he knows what happened with Timmy because either his father told him or his father dragged him there and showed him like look what I have to do because of your actions I don't want to have to do this but I must and we do know that the father Adam he runs a tight ship he tell he tells that to Lily, like hey like I had to raise my when he apologizes to her later you know he's like I had to raise my boys a certain kind of way because it's just the three of us and I had to keep order so basically he's saying he rules with an iron fist and his boys just fall in line and since Lily is now a new addition to this family, he's basically saying, hey, you you got to basically follow orders because I don't want any issues or problems with you. And just you're, you're make, you'll make it a lot easier if you just comply with what's going on. And, you know, obviously Lily kind of understands that and she keeps it moving. But I, I, I do wish they would have just gave us like a scene or something to to kind of explain a little bit deeper of the cause of the sleepwalking, but I guess it's not that big of a deal since they didn't really lean into it. What I also thought was um, 
a little off and maybe because I'm older I'm in my 20s I'm not a teenager so I can relate to a certain extent but I can't be in those shoes at the current moment and if you're in your 20s it's easy to say I would have never done that as a teenager but you're looking at it with the eyes of a 20 something year old if you're a teenager watching this then some of the decisions that these people make in this movie that are that are teens it might make more sense to you because you are that age you are thinking in a certain kind of way, you're having situations happen to you. Like when Lily has her um, her period in class and it's extremely messy, which I feel like, not not saying that it never happens, but I feel like there's another way that that could have occurred. We didn't need a, a pool of blood dripping down from her seat and on her on, on, on the floor that was a, a bit much as well as the reactions are very very childish but you know teenage boys are childish but I feel like maybe the school that I went to high school at I don't feel like that would have happened if anything I felt the boy made a whispered like hey um there's a situation under your seat maybe you want to get it checked out are you okay not oh my god you're disgusting and causing all this attention to try to make this person feel bad about what they cannot control is their natural body and then especially the teenager you know your your lady days aren't always predictable they're gonna change so i i get what the director was going for in that scene i just kind of felt like it more so felt followed through with like the 80s trope of how of how boys are how uh, how men are and they just could have just been a little bit better to me now there's a part of the film where the girls are talking and Lily's kind of busy in the mirror doing her own thing and they all agree that they're going to no one will do anything regarding to me without everybody say so essentially and they all agree and they say yeah and they're like Lily did you hear what we said and she's like oh, okay yeah um that's cool whatever uh yeah I heard what you said now later on Lily puts a love spell on Timmy and obviously it makes us attracted to her girl a little bit fonder and it's only sh- it's very short-lived since he dies literally in the very next scene is the news that Timmy that Timmy dies but when the teacher announces that Timmy's dead that he, he killed himself Timmy's dead Lily is overcome with emotion obviously she feels something for this boy because they just had a moment he went from a certified asshole to a decent human being to her love interest that she shared a nice moment with. And so she goes to the bathroom and she's crying and the other girls come in there too. They're all crying together. And their first thought is, oh my gosh, did we cause this? Are we the reason why Timmy's dead? We put the spell on him or we've been doing these spells on him. And it's now it's this re- it's caused these things to happen, and he killed himself. We got too much in his head. We he 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 was explaining things that he wasn't ready to explain. Stereotypically for this character, you know, maybe he wouldn't have come out so easily, especially not to these, these girls. But because they put a spell on him, he had this you know overwhelming feeling of comfortability to tell them these things about him, not thinking of you know, they may go and tell the whole school, you know, he quote unquote came to terms with how, who he is as a person and was okay with that. But maybe in reality, Timmy was not ready for that. He's between the ages of what, 16 and 18 years old. 
maybe if he did it on his own time, he wouldn't have came out until college or after college. And we won't know since, you know, Timmy had a demise. But the, the girls in the bathroom, they're crying. And Lily, at this point, decides, you know, and I don't think she's like overthinking it. I think she's just talking, getting her emotions out. And she you know, tells the girls like, hey, like, Timmy came in my room last night and we kissed. And Tabby's character seemed the most upset about it all, which I don't understand. Well, in the moment, it's not really understood why she was so angry. To me, her and all the other girls' reactions were a bit too strong for what happened. You guys all just lost a friend in a, in a horrific way. And this girl is telling you something. And the first thing you could think of is, well, like, you know, is this a joke to you? Like, what are you doing? Which I felt like Lily. I was like, why are y'all so mad? What is the big problem? No one said, hey, I, I'm going to check Timmy so I'm going to get y'all to back off. Or can we have a conversation about, you know, if Timmy's off limits or not? That wasn't a conversation about being romantically involved with Timmy. And honestly, Lily did not need to cast a love spell because Timmy, it seemed like, was already naturally gravitated towards her. When they had, when they at that party and they were talking, Timmy was really just talking to her, he talked to her her friends as well. He included all the friends in the conversation. But there was a scene in particular where he was just talking to her at the party and they were getting to know each other very well organically. And I don't think that it was necessary for her to do the love spell. And yeah, she does this love spell, but it, it seemed like it was interrupted. So I, it's a loose love spell, I guess. Maybe it's like a likeness spell. Nevertheless, it still does bring Timmy towards her. So, yeah, Tabby freaks out on her, you know, basically saying this is a joke to you. Like, this is serious to us, you know. And then Tabby says, you know what? Let's take a break from magic for a while. Because clearly, we're not ready for everything that comes with it. And all the other girls agree, and they walk away, and they all leave Lily. Now, Lily's back at square one. She's by herself again, which is not a good feeling, especially as a teenager. Especially when you're coming from... A previous situation at another school where, for whatever reason, unbeknownst to us, Lily does not have friends. And then on top of that, her home life is not the the best for her. Not as bad, but it's not the best for her since she didn't really get a say-so in her mom being with this guy and moving in. She could have, you know, protested against it, but that's still her mom. Her mom's like, look, I'm going and moving with him and you're my daughter, so you don't really have a choice. She could have. But this mom's supposed to be like, you know, a, a cool mom, fun mom, the the mom that's young at heart, the mom that lets her, you know, sneak sips of wines and they dance and sometimes she swears. So she's supposed to be a little bit more chill with things. So I just, I think there is more harping on teenager emotions and I just do not think that's how that would go. I, I kind of, I just kind of felt pushed and like I said I watched this movie twice and I I still when I watched the second time I was like oh I guess Tabby's upset they said that they would do anything involving to me together like spell wise and I think yes to a to a certain extent maybe be upset but not on that level that could have easily been that fire could have been doused and maybe that's why they made Tabby so passionate about it since Tabby's element is fire the one to show that fiery passion within her. 
But then it also reads as her being that quote-unquote extra black girl elevating a situation that that did not need to be elevated to that point. It got pushed a bit too far. Lily's character has visions or premonitions, if you want to call them that. And they are very simplistic, in my opinion. They're not too deep, yet they aren't fully explained. We do see that she's, she sees a lot of um, serpents in her in her visions. Even when they first get to the house, there's a serpent that crosses her path and it startles her. Which later she, she sees that same serpent in one of the boys' rooms, one of her stepbrother's rooms. And it's kind of they they show her seeing it. She's staring at the snake in the in the cage, but it's not a, it doesn't explain how the snake was outside when she first came in. Because who lets her snake just roam around the neighborhood? That yeah, that's just a little bit a little bit off. But Lily has a premonition, and this last premonition, she wakes up and she's terrified. She's screaming, and her mom runs to her room. And Lily grabs her mom and she's just like, because her mom's like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And Lily's freaking out. And she's like, we got to go. We got to go. He's not safe. We got to get away from him. And the mom's looking at her, kind of look like, like she's searching for something more. And then she tells Lily, you know, I know it's a hard day. We'll get through it. You need some time to rest and think. And she's kind of her mom like, that's not what I just said. I said what I said, we need to go. But you kind of see her mom having that decision of, do I choose this man that I love and I'm happy with, or do I choose my daughter? And that decision is paused for a moment. So Lily, wanting to have answers and evidence for her mom, goes to Adam's office and goes through his files. As she's combing through his files, she finds one in big, bold letters, mind you, that says Lily. Now, if he knows this girl lives in her in his home, why wouldn't he hide a little bit better? So to me, looking at it, it felt like it was forced by him knowing she is a nosy child and she at some point will go through my things. I want her to find this. I don't want it to be hard. I want it to easily be able to find this information. So she finds a photo with her name on it. And it's pretty thick. And she she opens it. And we don't get to see everything that's inside. We get literally only to see one paper that we focus on. And it's an adoption paper. And she realizes that Helen is not her birth mom. Helen did not birth her. She was adopted. And Helen never told her. So that's a, that's, that's a lot to take in is this person whom you've known forever lied to you. And everything since the day you've known them to now, you're questioning everything. You're questioning their their intentions. So here comes Helen later when they're about to go to the funeral. Like, oh, hey, like we're gonna go, and she just yells at her yells at her mom. What the hell is this? Like, what's like? Why didn't you tell me? And the mom realizes she's like, where'd you get that from? Um, you're not supposed to know this. And Lily's just like, that's not the answer I want. You you had so long to tell me. You literally had over a decade to tell me this information. Why did you feel compelled to not tell me? And her answer was, because your real mom wouldn't allow me to. Your real mom was so terrified of you realizing your power that, you know, when I, I don't think this moment she said the word power, but 
your birth mom was, you know, was that was her one thing. That was the one thing the deal is that she can never know who her mom is. For whatever reason. Maybe she didn't want to know, didn't want her to know that she comes from magic. Maybe she doesn't want to know, want her to know that Nancy is her mom and, and she's in a crazy, a crazy house. Oh, well, mental institution. But this is all happening right before the funeral, mind you. So it's like a lot of chaos. And they put a pin on pin in it and they go to the funeral. And at the funeral, Lily tries to talk to the other girls because everybody, all the people, everybody from high school is there. And the girls, she's like, oh, I, I really got to talk to y'all about this thing. And they all just basically shun her. They just basically turn their backs on her and ignore her. And, you know, clearly Lily looks distraught. Her face is pale. She She's wearing no makeup as she usually does. She's very, she's usually very bright faced and she bear it. And she isn't in this scene. And she says, you know what? Fine, whatever. And she, she storms off. As she's walking off, her mother tries to come talk to her. And the same thing she did with Timmy of pushing him off of her super hard. She did the same thing to her mom, but now it's in front of everybody at, at the at the service. And everybody just looks at Lily like, whoa, what are you doing? And the group of girls look at her like, oh, she's dangerous. She she doesn't know what she's doing or she's just being too much. So next scene is a girl's aside, you know, uh, Frankie, Lourdes, and Tabby decide, you know what? This power is way too much. We don't know what we're doing with it. We're not, we don't know how to get a handle on it. Timmy's dead. That's our fault. We're going to bind ourselves, which I don't know if that's possible. And if it's possible to bind yourself, I feel like it wouldn't have been how it was portrayed in the scene. Now, in the 96 version... Uh, Nancy is binded by the lead character, played by Robin, and that makes sense. She's binding her herself from doing harm to herself or to others, and it makes sense because Nancy was power hungry, and it, we understand why Nancy's power hungry. Because at first, we're not even mad at Nancy. We understand her struggle and why she's doing what she's doing, but it does get out of hand. But it was a slow, casual buildup, whereas in with Lily. She doesn't even know her full potential for her power. She's not power hungry. She's not enraged. She's not crazy. She's not even doing anything out of the ordinary. She didn't do anything different than any of the other girls. They all did magic on their own or for their own gain. So it does not make sense that they decide, you know what? She's too dangerous. Let's go ahead and bind her and ourselves because we need to stop practicing magic. And that decision later on gets them in a predict, well, more so gets Lily in a predicament. Obviously, they don't know that, but it does happen later. So cut back to Lily, and she's approaching the her home, and her mom's packing the car, and she closes the trunk. And Lily's like, "Like, what's going on?" Her mom's like, "Oh, you know, we're just gonna, we're gonna go, you and me." And Lily's like, "Wait, what?" And then Helen is explaining more of like, you know, your mom basically told me that there's going to be a come a time where you're going to have these abilities or these powers that you're going to question and not know how to use. And that I, you know, when I saw that I needed to prepare for it. And Lily's still kind of confused by all this, like, so you knew I was different, 
didn't say anything. You know, your old son was adopted, didn't say anything, you know, and, and that's kind of her kind of questioning her quote unquote mom of like, do I even know who you are anymore as a person since you've been lying to me so much? And so Helen tells her, you know, your your powers are are aren't a good thing. You know, they 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 they're hindering you. Let me take that burden from you. You know, get give them to me. And Lily's like, you know what? My mom would never tell me that my, what makes me different is a bad thing. So I know you're not my mom. Which, yes, her mom did say this to her early, uh, earlier in the movie. But it was like some like a like a hairline thing of it wasn't that bad if that was really her mom saying it. And after she realizes, like, you know, my mom wouldn't talk to me this way. Helen transforms into Adam. Adam has the ability to shapeshift, which they did talk about a little bit of being able to shapeshift, but they never achieved that in one of their stages. And Adam, you know, basically, you know, is like, I want your power. You know, like, he, he is a warlock. And if you are a powerful being who has evil intentions... You're going to just want to be the strongest you can be. You want to have more power. It's going to get to a point where clearly enough is not enough. And that's where he is at this point. And Lily gets a little bit scared, obviously. And he's about, he grabs her. He's about to punch her and he disappears. And she looks around and she's like, where is he at? You know, she looks around for too long, mind you. It, It lingers too long. And when it cuts back to it, he's right there in her face. So she had time. She had the time to escape or go somewhere. And she didn't because, again, her powers are still new. She does not know how to control them. We don't really see her. Actually, we don't see her know how to use her powers until the final fight scene. And to me, it's like, if you did not know how to use your powers before, how is it all of a sudden because you need to defend yourself, you know exactly exactly the right spell or the right power to use against this negative entity I, I i think that was a bit that was a bit far stretched so he knocks her out lily wakes up and she's in she's in the forest and this is a part where like all villains do they had to explain their evil plan of you know i just had to get rid of timmy because he was in the way and convince your mom to bring you here so you're more isolated, you know, because I need your powers. I feel like this would have been a good time too to explain what happened with her real mom, Nancy, and her adoptive mom, Helen. And again, they do not give it to us. They give us these bits and pieces and it's up to us to make a narrative of our own. So while this is all going on, the other three girls are at one of the girls' houses. We don't know whose house. And they have a Ouija board that's that's out. And the Ouija board starts moving and they realize it's Timmy. And Timmy basically lets them know like, hey, Lily's in trouble. Y'all got to go help her. And they, they, you know, they're on their way to go to go help Lily. Cut back to Lily outside, uh, outside the forest with Adam. Adam, you know, she's trying to fight Adam, but she can't because she doesn't have any powers, you know, which makes it so much easier for him to do it. And he tells her, all you got to do is just tell me that you relinquish your powers to me and this will all be over. It's just, it's just very easy, you know, and as collateral, he has kidnapped her mom and has not told her where her mother is at. 
And mind you, I would love to know where the boys are during this entire time, like during the fight scene. Are the boys at home, you know, or maybe they're not thinking about it because the dad's not gone that long. It's not the big of a deal. But uh, uh, Lily tries to fight Adam on her own. She doesn't have her powers anymore, so she can't do it. Then literally all of a sudden the girls come out and it's supposed to be this, you know, raw, raw girl power sisterhood moment. And it, again, comes off as this, like, cheesy 80s moment. So they come in, they they kind of break Adam's character down a little bit. Then they're kind of like, you know, they celebrate midway through. And they have those conversations like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, like, we shouldn't have abandoned you. It's like, yes, this is a conversation that should happen. When we are done kicking the hell out of this bad guy, not in the middle of it it's like they slap him around a couple of times and think that's it and it's like no man this is a warlock who has been around for decades who has had powers and ability for a long time it's going to take more than that to get him and he ends up knocking the other three girls out and you know redirect his energy back on lily and at the very last moment the the, the girls wake up and they all get together and they surround adam and engulf him in a, a circle of fire and he burns and, and he dies apparently and and that was it that was that was the final moment and it just it was just really really cheesy the cgi was not that great either which i ignored it but it didn't make sense only because they're not that strong in their abilities or their powers so i don't see how they would have been able to do that they they were hitting him with these very weak moves but all of a sudden now they know exactly what to do and and how to affect him and if all it takes was a engulfing him in flames i feel like then he wasn't that strong of a warlock to begin with i would have loved to know more of his origins and how he came to be was he a natural warlock did he get these abilities were they bequeathed upon him you know how old is he really does his sons know do his sons know about his abilities or are they oblivious to it because they're not of age yet or did the dad suck all their par- their powers out when they're born for his own personal gain these are questions that we don't get an answer to and i doubt that we will get an answer to and it did i'm a i'm a questioning kind of person so after this after they killed him my first thought was so what happens to the sons? Are they orphans now? I, I don't remember if the mom left them or if the mom died. So I'm like, what happens to them now? Do, do they know that Lily and her friends killed their father? Or is that kind of pushing the rug? We don't even get like a news article or something on TV that explains what happens to the dad or the aftermath of it. It literally just cuts to them. You know, they're all happy and they're, walk, they're, they're walking down the street and they're talking, and then here comes Helen pulling up in the car, like, "Oh yeah, we're you know, cause they're they're gonna go, they're gonna go um, go see somebody." And who was it? Uh, Frankie's character kind of makes a joke, like, "Oh, you're, are you done dating the dating warlocks? Ha ha ha!" Which is cute little joke that was fine and dandy. And she gets in, Lily gets in the car, and they end up driving to what it looks like a hospital, and. When they go in, Lily, you know, said, tells them she's she's here to come see somebody. And this is the final scene. We finally get to see Faruza Bulk's character, Nancy, which when I saw Nancy, 
I was super excited because I'm like, yes, this is what I've been waiting and wanting for. And looking at the time mark in the, in the movie, I still have, you know, a good 10 minutes left, you know, and however long the credits are. So I'm thinking, okay, finally, they're going to, they're going to give Nancy the chance to explain what happened. Also, it's sad that she is still in this mental institution after 24 years. Like she is so broken down after this time of, I guess she accepted what happened and called it a day. And it wasn't the ending I was wanting. It it just, they gave her maybe like two lines um, but she realized that Nancy is not coherent. Nancy doesn't even really remember remember what's going on. I believe Nancy kind of took magic out of her mindset because people kept telling her she was crazy and that magic wasn't a thing. And, you know, maybe some uh, she had a treatment where they were like, you know, keep on saying magic exists and that you're a witch. We're going to give you electroshock therapy or whatever things that they had in that place that was a, a punishment. So I wish that they would have just elaborated a little bit more on Nancy's story. Why bring back this character from the original movie that was such a prominent character? She was in a protagonist that turned into an antagonist. And in this movie, it seems like she is just like a a wounded bird. And we feel bad for her. Like, yes, we know all the bad that Nancy has done in the past. But we feel bad for her because we're questioning everything that happened in the 24 years that have passed. You know, it's like, are you okay? Also, if this is supposed to be a sequel to the 96 version, they should have explained when Nancy got pregnant. Because her daughter is supposed to be in high school. And that could make her max 18 years old. So this is a 24-year period in between we need to know when Nancy got pregnant. That is very, you know, imperative to the story. And again, that's where there's these little holes of, they built up all these scenarios, all these plots, and they came through half-assed. And, you know, I know Blumhouse had a hand in the production of this, but I feel like it falls back on the director and the writing of, I'm sure you watched the original craft because you made the second one. Clearly you had to love the first one to a certain extent to want to make a continuation and with a continuation you need something strong to tie them in using nancy as the mom i feel like was a typical move that people usually use they want to tie a movie in and make a sequel especially so long later after after the original source material this would have been better if they just would have put her in college we already went through high school with the first craft We don't need to revisit high school. I think that them being in college would have made a lot more sense. They could have talked about more social issues and injustices. And especially with the whole misogyny being a running theme throughout this movie. Being a teenager, yeah, you have have certain thoughts and ideas. But when you're in your early 20s, oh man, those thoughts and ideas are even deeper. Now you have a bigger community of women to talk to about stuff like this that have different stories and they come from different backgrounds compared to you. So I think the director kind of dropped the ball on that because she definitely could have put these girls in high school, in, uh, in college. And I believe all of these girls are college age. So it would have definitely made more sense to just pluck these quote unquote teens and make them college students. Even if, even if it's just like their first year of college, that would have been well, especially if it took place in, I don't know, like Massachusetts and in particular, maybe near Salem. They could have done so many things with it. And 
they they didn't. One thing I did forget to say on something that I saw early on, we learned the character's name is Lily. My first thought was, is it Lily as in Lillian or Lily as in Lilith? Because it makes a big difference. I believe Lillian is like a flower and Lilith is, you know, queen of hell. I don't know if y'all have ever watched the TV show Sabrina, but Lilith is, you know, the queen of hell supposed to be walking side by side with the with the devil and so when when Lily finds her adoption paperwork we see her birth name is Lilith that makes a lot of sense now is it that Nancy made a deal with Manon which Manon was like hey I need you to bring to birth the child and it has to be a female because maybe they, they have they have different or better abilities than a man does so did the devil did, did did Manon did he did he impregnate Nancy himself or did he make somebody do it for him do his bidding for him and now we have Lilith and he named her that on purpose to kind of be able to reel her back into her purpose or her truth I I I saw that when I when I when I watched it I did talk to somebody and they didn't realize what Lilith was. And I was like, oh, you know, I feel like when you hear Lilith in particular paired with magic, that's the first thing I think about. But I know more about this like witchy occult thing than I feel like the average person. So that's where my mind went. And when I watched watched it the second time, I watched it with someone. And he was like, oh, okay, yeah, I see what you're talking about that, you know, Lilith. I I didn't really see that when I first watched it. I was like, yeah. I just know so much stuff. <laughs> I do not want to give this movie a rating because it wouldn't be rated on the actors whatsoever. The actors, in my opinion, worked well with the material that they had. They tried. They tried their best. But the script wasn't good enough. The plot wasn't good enough. Their characters weren't given the chance to develop for us to really love them or really hate them. And even the villain, I didn't hate the villain. I, if anything, he was a very developed character. But I do think the sequel falls short. And I would love to hear someone that is new to the craft world and has not seen the first one. And they watch the second one and to see what they think. And in particular, a teenager. Because I did have someone who's in their 20s and we talked about it and they didn't like the craft too, like the craft legacy. And I knew for a fact they haven't seen the first one. And I said, you know, if you watch the first one and you compare it to the second, because you're going to compare sequels or remakes, then you'll see how this could have been done a lot better. And they're like, I don't need to see the first one because the second one doesn't make me want to see the first one. The first one makes you want to see the second one, though, if you catch my drift. And I'm like, yeah, of course I understand what you mean, because that is how I felt. I wanted to be teleported back into this world. And I wasn't able to to get that same feeling. You know, the only nostalgia feeling was that there was magic in the air. And this magic was very, like, sugar and spice and everything nice and glitter on top. And it's super duper girly, which is fine. But the first one, it wasn't, you know, in the first one, 90s grunge type, that was popular. 
but it seemed like at the school these the 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 quote unquote popular girls were more like share and and um oh my goodness why am I blinking and clueless they they're more like that they're more like the bubbly popular girl or they they have you know more this more going on going on compared to the the other girls that were like you know more like dark and grungy and they have these scarring lives or past uh issues that have happened and they're not over it or they're currently going through it you know and in, in, in the first film Nancy's poor and has an unhappy life Rochelle's character she's getting constantly bullied for the color of her skin and the, her her curly hair uh Robin's character she's living with the fact that she's the reason why her mother's dead and that you know she's existing but her mother cannot live and she's tried to kill herself and it didn't work out and then uh the other character uh played by Neve Campbell you know she has a skin condition and that affects her self-esteem so we see how all these characters they have their issues why they're what's driving them and why they're doing what they're doing but in this film again we do not get to see these characters motivations of are they just doing this for fun or is there a purpose behind it and also there is I I did not see the moral of the story. I would like to know what the moral of the story was supposed to be because it kind of fell short. I don't know what the lesson was in this film. The lesson is to be careful with magic. It wasn't, they didn't do a good job of explaining it. Compared to the first one, they showed you how ugly magic can be with how you can go be friends with somebody and end up being their enemy or hating them. You know, the girls in the first movie, they did a glamour and they made, they made the lead character think that her father and her father and her sister had died in a plane crash. You know, now she's thinking that she's all alone. That's not a, that's not a funny prank. That is very, truly terrifying for someone to find out about that. And they, we, we didn't have glamours or anything like that. The only glamour that we had in this in the second film was uh Adam acting as if he was Helen. That was that was about it. But yeah, so overall I didn't care for the film. I did have hopes that it would be at least decent and I don't wanna watch it a third time. I only watched it two times to be thorough in my review over it. So I think that maybe this film is more so for then the for young girls maybe it's more for these teen girls that they have a magic movie of their own but for us looking for that same feeling that the craft originally gave us when we were little girls or teen girls this movie will not give it to you it'll if anything make you frustrated because things aren't explained and plots aren't pulled uh really you know go through the motions as the first one If y'all do end up watching The Craft Legacy and want to share your thoughts and opinions on it or just want to elaborate on something that you want to bring to light for me, please go ahead and email me at pineapplereels at gmail.com or via Instagram or Twitter at pineapplereels, all the same handle. That'd be greatly appreciated. Now, next week, I will be tackling 
heist movies. I love a good heist movie and I already have my top three that I'm going to talk about. But again, if you have a movie in particular that you think is a good movie that I should be reviewing that you think I may leave out or just want that name to be out there so other people can see it, please go ahead and email email me that information or DM me that information and I'll make sure I compile a list of it and I'll go ahead and let everybody else know. Thank you for tuning in to Pineapple Reels. Y'all have a good day.